Oh, back when I was a kid, life was going swell Until something happened, blew everything to hell Then now my daddy stumbled in, all pale and weak Said a woman up the block just gave birth to a geek Stay bloody! Mom said, sell it to the circus, what the heck? A dad said, nope, this one's a pencil neck. And if there's one thing lower than a sideshow free, it's a grid eating scum sucking pencil neck geek. Well, if you take a pencil that won't hold lead, looks like a pipe cleaner attached to a head, add a buggy with body with a brain that leaks, you got yourself a grid eating pencil neck geek. Pencil neck geek, grid eating freak, scum sucking beard with a lousy physique. He's a one man, no gut losing streak. Nothing but a nothing but a nothing but a nothing. Nothing but a nothing but a nothing but a nothing. Nothing but a nothing but a nothing but a pencil neck geek. A pencil neck geek. Pencil neck Number 10, from sunny Southern California, where the eucalyptus heat serves as both toxin, tick-tock, antioxidant, where Lord Krishna skateboards, where Jesus Christ hangs tens, where Buddha goes hang gliding with the greatest of ease. We have it all, babies, from poppies to pot to cactus to pine forests, from surf to forests to Johnny Legend, who you just heard doing the most unique take on Pencil Neck Geek. Alfredo, thank you so much for that Johnny Legend cut there. Yeah, and that's the first that's the first intro music we could actually continue playing for like the longest period of time. Oh, that is bitchin'. Actually, we could always play the Nango Casas all the time, too, so... We could play that one, too. Now, if we we could just convince Negro Casas to come to Southern California and do a concert with Johnny Legend. Could you just picture Johnny Legend doing his rockabilly shtick while Negro Costas does the uh, Cuatro Cuarenta dances? There you go. That would be... It It don't get more bitchin' than that. Well, Kurt, before we get to all the news, you attended a com- the comedy show here in L.A. with Mick Foley and Colt Cabana. Yes, I it? went to the improv for the first time since 1984 when I went to see Larry Bud Melman of David Letterman fame. Oh. Yes, it had been 25 years. So, we, uh, we, we talked about this during the, the, the... Actually, we've been talking about this since Saturday and how nobody wanted to go with you, right? <laughs> That's right. Well, there's probably... Uh, Probably they would have loved to have gone to see Mick Foley. I don't just don't think they wanted to go with me. That's all it is. Or go see Colt Cabana, actually, you know. <laughs> yes. So, um, I, I went there. I uh, had me a blue moon, and uh, after my blue moon, I sat and sipped coffee all night. 
five stand-up comics, and I'm going to look thoroughly unprofessional here, which I am quite proud of, because the only two actual names I remember were the opening act, which was Colt Cobana, and the main event, which was Mick Foley. In between them were three other stand-ups who were actually quite good. Uh-huh. And so it's thoroughly unprofessional that I forgot their names. Well, I'm sure they, their names are mentioned on whatever website. <laughs> they were on the lineup, and I really should have written them down. I should have known that I'd probably want to talk about this on uh, on Stan, Slam and Stan. Hey, I almost said Stan and Slam again. First time <laughs> yeah. since the first episode. Well, I called it Slam and Stanley, so it's no big deal. <laughs> That's good. Slam so, and Stanley so, so. Laurel and Oliver Hardy. So how was Cole Cabana? Well. <laughs> you don't want to say anything bad now, huh? <laughs> His presence. He might listen to it. It might go, get back to him. He has a great presence. He is very confident up there. He he just needs better material. Oh. Well, it worked. Uh, the reason it worked okay was because there were enough wrestling fans there that he got enough laughs where it didn't bomb. Because virtually all his humor was related to his stint in the WWE. So just him whining. <laughs> yeah, essentially it was. Yeah, a whine. Now, it got, a li- it got funny when he started uh, making the humor a little more self-deprecating. Uh-huh. The first, how long was he on? I'd say he was on for 10 to 15 minutes. And a lot of it, a lot of it was just talking about what assholes his childhood heroes uh, turned yeah. out to be, what sluts all the divas are. Uh, Lillian Garcia is a whore. There's What's nothing wrong with that. that. In fact, I, I <laughs> that makes me more proud of them. Uh, you know, they get the Annie Sprinkle Award. Yeah, who? What's, uh, what, what's the whole point of them being there? You know. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, Annie Sprinkle is uh, the first real woman, in my opinion, to. You know, give the word slut a good name to, you know, try to angelicize it instead of demonize it. Did he mention Dusty Rhodes or anything? Or? He did not mention Dusty uh, Rhodes. Uh, he came on stage wearing his Scotty Goldman jacket, uh-huh. took it off and said, worst investment I ever made. And it got enough laughs where you knew that there were some hardcore wrestling fans in there because nobody else would have understood what that line. Mm-hmm. Now, if there were no wrestling fans in there, this thing would have bombed a big time. Did you see any celebrities there? Or? Uh, Christy Canyon. Oh, so you did see her. Uh, yes, she's just as lovely as she's ever been. And who was it? Nikki Hunter, who I guess, I'm showing my, my age and lack of modern pop culture knowledge. Nikki Hunter, who I guess is uh, one of the... Uh, Playboy Girls, one of the many blondes. Uh, or you know you've seen her in porn. Nah. <laughs> never. Now, Christy sure. Canyon I've seen in porn. Uh, she, Christy Canyon was there because she's a friend of Mick Foley's. Huh. And even better, Mick Foley uh, did a hysterical uh, storytelling sequence about when he and his wife Colette were trying to conceive another baby and, you know, they were doing it so much that he just couldn't do it anymore. So they popped in a Christy Canyon porn, oh. and, you know, suddenly uh, his wife started doing things like Christy Canyon, and 
he was like, oh, my God, I'm doing Christy Canyon. Obviously, and obviously right. I can't do the routine justice since uh-huh. nobody can spin a story like Mick Foley. But uh, Foley was great. Uh-huh. Cabana, if he actually worked on writing some funny material, I could picture him really going over well. Um, Foley, wonderful storyteller. It was a good mix of storytelling and humor. In fact, uh, Dan Farron, when I was telling him about it, uh-huh. he asked me, okay, is this like punchline humor or storytelling humor? And storytelling humor is exactly what it is. There's stories that will stick with you that leave an impression on you, will crack you up. And I think he's taking this on the road. I highly recommend people going out of their way to seeing it. He went around 30 minutes, and he could have done another 30 minutes before people got tired of him. The wrestling fans and the non-wrestling fans dug him. Oh, okay. So, but you don't want to you don't want to bring up Adam Pierce being at the show. <laughs> I always want to bring up Adam Pierce to the show because God bless him. When I go up and say Adam Pierce, he remembers that I am Lucky Pierre. <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to bring up the conversation or anything, right? <laughs> oh, now you you're misbehaving, that. Alfredo. You want to misbehaving? That, right? Yes. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> Well, We're only going so far here. <laughs> well, I guess we could we could talk we could talk about the big news that just came on right now about Rey Mysterio getting suspended for thirty days. Wellness policy. Yeah. So so what do you think it is? Pot or steroids? it could be either or. <laughs> or both. <laughs> either or both. I yeah. I don't even know what to say. It sucks because it happens happening to one of the really good guys in the business. Yeah. So, I mean, but still, it's not like they're going to fire him or anything. I think he's. I hope not. Guys. If they fired Rey Mysterio, I'd probably stop watching WWE. Well, I'm you know, not watching it that much in the first place. <laughs> you know, but I would actually cold turkey just stop watching it if they fired somebody like him. If it's for he, marijuana, I, yeah, I'm know. sorry. Okay. No, I don't smoke. Rarely do I spark the owl. But for the love of God, let's legalize this shit. God damn it. This is not the evil weed they're talking about. There are so many wonderful things about marijuana. You motherfucking cocksuckers out there, legalize this shit. I, I can't get over the number of people who just, like, you know, do shot after shot after shot, you know, or just... Or, do, do, or, or what is it, the steroids and everything, and they're not, they're not doing anything about it. Well, I mean, steroids, they are because of the baseball thing. I think that's the only reason they're going after steroids, because of baseball. Yeah, the baseball thing kind of put it on the map. In yeah, fact, I, I don't know the details, but I read a I read a headline saying that a lot of the uh, um, you know, baseball verdicts, not the verdicts, what's the word I'm looking for? Man, my, my vocabulary is going out the, the window every time. Or, or, do you mean the suspensions or just the court, court proceedings and all that? You know, there were a lot of... Uh, Secret testimonials that uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the baseball players made, and then yeah. they were released. Well, the court, I believe, today ruled that that was unconstitutional, that they got released. Yeah, it is. Which right. I, I think was a good call, because when I heard that story break before, that was the first thing that went into my head is, wait a minute, they did these in secret, you know, it sounds legally binding, why all of a sudden is it okay to just 
you know, I don't know. You know, I don't think, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, I figure just 30 days, he's not that, it's not that big a deal. That's not bad, yeah. yeah it's you know. not like but he's I mean, going to be out for the rest of I, the year. I, I, you know, I, I, I go on terrible, illiterate rants when you bring up uh, issues problem. like mar- marijuana. I, it, it's the most ridiculous drug. You know, there's a lot of really scary drugs out there. There's methamphetamines, there's heroin, easily accessible. And they're still putting all this money into trying to burn the marijuana fields. Yeah. For the love of God, light up people. The senior citizens who are who we should start with. Senior citizens need to start smoking pot or, you know, eating pot brownies. They need to loosen up, get that, that whole stigma out of their heads. And then it would get rid of all that arthritic pain, hey, that sure. arthritic pain we will all get when we're senior citizens. Jesus sure. Christ! Kurt, you know what we need to do? When we talk What's about that? pot, we should do a simulcast with uh, Rob Van Dam's podcast. Oh, that would be sweet. <laughs> that would be the pinnacle of our careers. We should just like bring in his feet for our podcast. Now if, I could just, now, if I could just burst out in a literate rant the way Jim Cornette did on Tommy Fierro's show a few months back... I would be um, <laughs> I'd be spelling it out a lot better than I am. I, I, I wish I was more eloquent in my speech. Have you, and, have, you or, have you ordered his book or anything? Cornette's no, and I'm going to. I keep putting it off, and I don't know why I am, because after I that rant did. he did on Tommy Fierro shows, Jim Cornette uh, is one of my heroes. Yeah, I just, I just ordered it, like I think a couple of days ago. You know what? In fact, even while we're talking now, since I'm sitting here at the computer, uh-huh. I'm going to have to go to his web page. Yeah, you've got you to print out the, the invoice. It's got his face on It's got like a stamp. Oh, no way. <laughs> Put his face on a Cornet collectible. I mean, that, that alone, you should have him autograph that. <laughs> oh, that would be sweet. So basically, uh, this, the big news, the other news is um, the anniversary card, the lineup came out for um, CMLL. And I take it one is the hair versus mask between Negro Casas and yeah. Uh, who do you Mystico? got? Yeah, who do you got? Mystico or Negro Casas? Oh, gee, that's a really tough one. I gotta scratch my head on that one. Man, okay, I put my money on Casas every time he wrestled Hijo de Santo uh-huh. in a stiff match. I lost each time. Nah, Casas is gonna do it this time. I just know. I it. don't know, Kurt. I don't know. He's on a roll. He is on a roll. You never know this. They could actually pull a a surprise like last year. And I'm also edgy because, God bless him, Steve Sims sent uh, the August 22nd CMLL Peste Negra match, Uh and I wasn't able to get it properly downloaded. Yeah, and I I, I can't get um, his um, Lover Ice. It's it's an upload from Lover Ice. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I'm frustrated because... First off, thank you so much, Steve it's, Sims, for uh, sending us the CMLO link, and thank you for rocking our show last week. That was such a blast, episode nine. It should be on. It should be on his YouTube page, on Lover Ice's YouTube page. I will have to check it out because, man, I I am getting the shakes. I need my CMLL six. I've been watching a lot though. Too have you seen a lot of CMLL? Well, this I got. Some, I have to go through like a bunch of different um, CMLL DVDs. I won't mention more about it because it's a lot of work. <laughs> okay, gotcha. It's gonna, gotcha. it's gonna be a pain in the butt to be going through it, but anyways, 
it's a lot of stuff, and I've been going through it. <laughs> so mm. let, let's get back to the let's get back to the anniversary show. Okay, the anniversary so, uh, show. What what else is so we, up besides the major stip match? So we got the major stip match, which is Mystico versus Negro Costas. The semi is going to be Mexico versus Japan. Mm-hmm. They're basically going to have Black Black Warrior Hector Garza Shocker Ultimo Guerrero versus Jushin Liger Naido Chigeo Okamura and Yujiro. Damn. Which you know Okamura. Just Okamura. I mean, you, have you seen Okamura? No, I have not. You haven't seen him. He no. basically he's basically a guy who's always been like, I mean, I, I he's basically a guy who should be in the mid card, not in a semi main event or main event match, and he's working semi main event because he's Japanese, pretty much. Oh, gotcha. Well, at least it's in like what is it, a ten man tag, eight man yeah, tag? Yeah, it's an eight man. I hope so. It's an that's not too man. shabby. Like I mean, seriously, name. just with Jushin Liger in there, and folks like Hector Gar- Garza and Black Warrior, just those two main events, man, <laughs> I'd be tempted to catch a plane out to Mexico on the 21st. Yeah, I think I think they're going to do, off of that, they're going to lead up into a, a stiff match with Black Warrior and Yujiro. Um, Very cool. So that should be interesting also. And um, the next match will be the, Averno, the Los Hijos de Averno. Versus mm-hmm. Mascara, La Sombra, and Volador Jr. Oh, excellent. Now, Sombra is one guy I've heard a lot of really wonderful things about, and I really have seen almost nothing of his. <laughs> Basically, you haven't seen anybody beyond Negro Casas. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. Right? i got to tell you, I've been so, uh, I've been so punch drunk on uh, the trio of Mr. Niebla, Negro Casas, and Felino that... I really want to start catching up with all the other uh, folks in CMLL. I've really... You have to watch the minis division, man. That's a good. Really good... you got to watch the minis. Yeah, this is the biggest craving I've had for Lucha since, you know, I got, since I was rebitten by the bug back in 1989. Uh-huh. And then there's the opening match of the women's match and the minis match. And in, the, in between, there's another... <laughs> there's, there's, there's a... Poder Machica who's going to be wrestling um, three, you know, they, they have Hijo de Fantasma, Ma- Mascara Dorado, and Sagrado, but I think they could have picked a better trio. Mm. Kind of like one of those throw-ins. <laughs> you know, Not too shabby a, still. Yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a really good card. Really uh, man, I, man, seriously, I, I'm also tempted. We should, we should, we now, should now hit we the plane. Figure, now we have to figure out if it's going to be a pay-per-view or a, an, just a TV taping. Which I'm guessing it's probably going to be a. I'm guessing it's going to be a TV taping right now. Like you know, one of those things where they film it like down the road, they'll show it. Another thing I'm very ignorant of: pay-per-view in Mexico. How does that fly? Well, it's only on. I think it's right now it's only on Sky Sky TV. Sky okay. Network. So I don't know. It's not. It's not that big. I mean, you can you can you can't really find guys who will record it. Basically. <laughs> so I'm guessing a lot of people don't get it. Okay, but hopefully you'll be getting a copy. Yeah. Either way. Hopefully. And the other announcement is that Shocker has introduced a new guapo. Ah. His name, John Strongman. Oh, my God. Tell us more. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's it. I'm hoping it's... You know what I'm hoping? Because apparently this guy's some dude who... Some muscle guy. I'm hoping, it, I, I kind of was hoping it was that one. Remember that, that documentary from a couple of years ago? 
with um the one I've heard so much about and never saw. Yeah, and there was this one guy with like these really huge muscles. Did you ever see that guy who used to sell steroids in Florida? No. No, you never saw that guy. He's I don't like think that. so. Wait, now where where else has he been featured? He's been featured like I think on one of those documentaries in um Disco- the that world strongest the the. The man with the exploding arms. Oh, the man whose arm, oh, Greg yeah, Valentino. That. Yeah, that guy. Greg would, Valentino, the the man whose arms exploded. Yeah. I, oh, I my wanted, God. I wanted him to be the new guapo. Wouldn't you? Just, just, oh, that I, would be hysterical. Because you would just be wondering, when is it, when are his arms going to explode? When are his arms going to explode? Oh, could you imagine the angles you could do off that? Seriously, I mean, as bad as the matches would be? Just oh, you should, like we, two minutes. We could have Johnny Legend be his manager and, like, like, you know, draw battle plans on each bicep, you know. Yeah, there you go. Kind of like, you know, how, how uh, football in the locker room beforehand, they'll show the films and draw the uh, game plans on the chalkboard. We'll have Johnny Legend just drawing the game plans on his biceps. And, oh, that would be so cool. Greg I, Valentino. I, oh, man, if anybody has not seen the documentary, The Man Whose Arms Exploded, whether you're fascinated by the whole steroid culture or not, this is a freak show documentary you have to see. When I first heard that, and because, I think it was Discovery, wasn't it, or TLC? I forget it's, which one it was. I, I had it on my DVR for the longest time because I, I watched it twice. It was think, too good to watch only thing, once. They're both the same thing, isn't it? TLC's owned by Discovery or something? I or have no earthly idea. Well, I remember when I first heard that the name of the, the show, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's arms. Because I, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, those other shows they'll do, like, like the man with the largest tumor or whatever. <laughs> or all, these other, all these other things. I've never heard of those. It, it always, or the man with no face or whatever. Or, or They always come up with these weird titles, and you're like, oh, my God, this got to be, like, the most disgusting thing. <laughs> so when I read that the guy's arms exploded, I'm like, oh, my God, seriously, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> but then you watch it, and it's nothing. It's just that the guy's arms are ridiculous. You know, they're bigger than his body. You know? Ridiculously huge. And, yeah. And then it, it, it's worth checking out. Yeah, Greg Valentino. I just hope that's the, that, that, would be, that would be cool if it was that guy. <laughs> yeah. That was the other uh, interesting sighting is uh, at the Mick Foley comedy show. That's the other celebrity I saw. I was sitting on a stool, uh, at, you know, for two, sitting uh-huh. by myself and some guy motions, um, like, is, is this other seat taken? And I shake my head. He sits there, didn't recognize him. And then after the show, I see somebody talking to this cat and saying, I love the film, and man, I'm really sorry to hear about your brother. And it dawned on me, this was the guy who did Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know. I'm already so forgetting you, his name. Yeah, you never saw the documentary, so you, you wouldn't know who he was. I saw the documentary. I thought you said you did it. Bigger, faster, stronger? Yeah, I saw that. You said you didn't watch it. No, I must have been lying to you. Yeah, you just said it a couple minutes ago. Let me rewind. Wait, 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 wait. I thought, wait. Because I said I I I didn't remember the name of the show, the documentary. I thought you were referring to another documentary. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Am I hazy tonight (laughs) or what? And see, that's more more pro-dope propaganda here. I am not stoned. I have not been stoned in many, many months. Uh-huh. And I'm already in this terrible narcoleptic haze. You probably That's what sobriety to... will do for you, folks. Are you sure you were talking to Adam Pearson, not like a, like, very Darso or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Um, yeah, no, Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Now, have you seen Bigger, Faster, Stronger? Yeah, I have. I, that's why. That's where I got the guy. The guy who did the that document. The remember, he shows up. The guy who they did the documentary about for um, the world's strongest, the biggest exploding arms or whatever. Okay. Yes. There. Yes. He was on there like for a couple of minutes. That towards the end, because I think he's a longtime friend of his or something. Yeah, I mean, sounds very wrapped up in the steroid culture, and you know, I had. I had conflicting thoughts on Bigger, Faster, Stronger. It got rave reviews as, you know, being a very balanced, uh, taking neither pro nor con side. Uh-huh. Where I disagree with that is, I th- one, I think they made some really excellent points. Uh, the way the evil of steroids and the damage it can do have been way overplayed in the same way uh, Pot was back in the Reefer Madness film days. Yeah. Because I remember in the 1980s, you know, doctors who obviously have not done much study on anabolic steroids were saying how, you know, it's going to give you cancer, it's going to, you know, give you boils. And they're, you know, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there are some negatives, but they really did overplay them. And they overplayed them before there were any, you know, really good studies done on them. And to that matter, there really haven't been any thorough studies done on the effect of anabolic steroids. Well, because I, I think because everybody assumes it's in wrestling, and that's what they're dying from. It's, but but what they always forget is that wrestlers they don't, they don't most of them don't just do steroids. Oh jeez, yeah, <laughs> so there's a lot of things wrestlers die from. Painkillers, pain somas. Um, oh yeah, I mean those are. I mean, prescription drugs are killing, you know, people a lot more than, it, you know, steroids are. Yeah. I, you know, now, I do think there are probably, do I think there's probably, you know, some harm doing steroids? If you're doing them out of control like a lot of people are, yes, I mean, they will enlarge your heart. Yeah. Um, well, the, the area where I say the, the documentary I don't think was thoroughly balanced was, even though I agreed with a lot of their points, whenever they showed somebody who felt that steroids were harmful. They made the people look as buffoonish as they can. Actually, they didn't have to make them you know, look. Like when they talked to uh, Henry Waxman, uh-huh. I mean, the guy looked so clueless. Here he is on a crusade you know, against anabolic steroids, and he doesn't know squat about them. But whenever they interviewed people who were pro-steroid, the people always came off looking as eloquent, well-spoken. I wonder if he would redo it again, like the, after his, because I mean his brother passed away. So his brother passed away, although although his brother passed away. From what I heard, he was in rehab, and he was trying to get high uh, from spraying. Uh, what's it that? Uh, oh, that, that, that mist, isn't it? Like that. Yeah, the the stuff you clean your computer keyboards. Oh, Wait, yeah, am I sounding literate tonight or what? Compressed air. Compressed air. Compressed air. Yeah, yeah he uh, people you know spray that up their nose to get high because they think yeah. it's nothing but air, but it, it can actually kill you instantly. Yeah, I just saw that. that that's like the latest thing now with kids. Yeah, and right. it is dangerous. It's no urban myth. It when it kills people, it kills them in a flash. I mean, yeah. they die. I don't know why. And do that. from what I understand, that's how he passed away. Oh. Um, that's kind of a stupid thing to do. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know if his I don't know if his uh, stance on steroids has changed at all. Um, 
Probably not. I mean, I don't think the documentary sucked. I thought it was very well done, and I thought it brought up some really uh, great points of hypocrisy on, you know, how they're trying to, you know, rid sports of steroids because it destroys a competitive edge, yet there's, you know, no complaint if an athlete in another sport gets laser surgery on his eyes to make his vision better, you know. Yeah. So there's a lot of good points they took out, but I don't think it was quite as balanced as everybody makes it out to be. Very good, but a little uh, you know, squatting towards the pro side. I used to be very anti-steroids. Um, now I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of steroids, we have two grown now in AAA. <laughs> yes, yes, tell us the story. This is fascinating. And along with two grandas, who do we have uh, at their side? Well, first of all, we have to talk about suppose the rumor going around that Oriental might have left AAA. Yes. So he's now he's rumored to be independent now. But AAA, I don't think AAA's confirmed it yet. But that's independent. He's going independent. Going to start wow. he's, he's probably going to start running his own shows too. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody else, Super Calo, Juventus Guerrera, Hijo de Perro. Uh, Where does he Argentina. think he is? Southern California? I mean, if you think about it, or, um, here, in, here in the U.S., you don't have a lot of um, wrestlers actually running independence. It's actually just fans running running this from the independent shows. That's true, actually, but it does seem like everybody and their brother is running something. Yeah, well, I, I'm, unless he found like a money mark to run a run it. Well, actually, his family runs a independent shows in um, in Mexico. Oriental, remember his family. His family's, uh, uh, maybe they'll just be ha- he'll just be hanging with them then. Yeah, and probably doing his own bookings or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Didn't well, he, didn't didn't he, didn't they didn't Shikara have a bad experience with him? <laughs> I, I remember did Mark not hear before. about this. What was the yeah, bad Mark experience? Just, I think Mark just brought that up, didn't he? Last last time he was on. I'm sorry. Mark Cole brought that up. Did he bring up Oriental specifically? Yeah, he, he. I think he no-showed one of their shows once. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, and I remember him had... bringing up wrestlers in general who could... I didn't remember Oriental. I remember the one luchador I think of who has yeah, the so. worst rep for no-showing with indie promoters is Fishman. And the most recent one is Shocker, too. So. Yes, I have heard about Shocker. Shocker, you no-showing. Know, He's got a lot of people in L.A. who don't... In the, in the California area, who wouldn't book him? Wrestlers making friends everywhere they go. There you go. Um, and he's supposedly going independent. And um, Esther Moreno's back in AAA. That's what I was referring to. Which Esther Moreno, who I thought is back in her days in All Japan Women in the early 90s, I thought was one of the greatest baby faces, one of the most underrated baby faces. Have you seen her recently? No, I have not. Okay, then you'll be shocked. <laughs> ah, so more enhancements? Yep, very, very, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> so, the best big boob baby face in the world. There you go. She's gonna. She, I guess she's gonna be a baby face. So, I have no idea. I don't. I have no idea if she's even gonna stick around for the long run. So. Yeah, I. I just remember in those early '90s, she reminded me of a female super astro. Seriously, oh, I remember. I I wish I remember Kurt, what the tag. Kurt, Kurt Dashi still does. <laughs> <laughs> I won't mention why, but I'm just kidding. Oh dear. <laughs> keep, keep on. Keep, keep go back. Let's get back on track. What was it? Okay. What was it you were saying? 
about I was just talking about what a bitchin' baby face she was. Uh-huh. I remember, uh, I wish I could remember what exactly the tag match was. I think it involved either Bull Nakano or Aja Kong on the other team. I would actually love to dig up and find it because she was doing great traditional babyface comebacks and at one point juiced in the match. Wow. She was uh, juiced during a beatdown and then made one of those great dramatic uh, comebacks where her face is a crimson mask and she's just this big ball of rage making her comeback. And I thought, damn, they don't make wrestlers like this anymore. And this was 1991 and I was saying they don't make wrestlers like this anymore. Plus, I had never seen um, a woman who was that strong of a baby face. I mean, who had the whole art down. Is there is there like a place, a specific spot where the women blade? Because you know how guys always get the forehead. Uh, that's where that's what Esther got. Yeah, not like in not like a little higher up, or is it just the same place? I think it's the same place. Well, get... you know, there's different things you can do with blading. Is I think some wrestlers almost like that badge of honor to have the scars. Uh-huh. So if you blade up and down, you know, vertically. But I can't imagine a woman really wanting that. <laughs> no, no. Well, that's the thing is if you blade side to side, uh-huh. there's less chance of there being a scar. Oh, okay. One guy who loved to bleed like a pig, and I bring him up almost every show, is was Dr. Jerry Graham. And he would gig from temple to temple like he was a can opener. Uh. But... He had very little scar tissue, uh, and I think it had something to do with him bleeding side to side. Plus, he wouldn't gig very deep. Oh, okay. I think he did that thing where he would hold his breath, and um, like and it looked it really gory when he bled. Like, forced it out, basically. Yes, but he had, he still had baby soft skin. I mean, there was some evidence of gigging, but nothing like the chic. <laughs> that just sounds funny. <laughs> baby soft skin. If, if that, baby soft skin. Believe it or not, Dr. Jerry Graham, after years of drinking and drugging and having fights with cops, still had baby soft skin in his, you know. Kurt, I, just have a vi- I just have a vision of a young Kurt Brown <laughs> rubbing Dr. Jerry Graham's head. <laughs> oh, stop, stop saying baby soft skin from now on. You know what the greatest part about Dr. Jerry Graham gigging was? What? Was afterwards, he would not wash it off. Ah, that's it. We, uh, in Bakersfield one night, he was wrestling, uh, no, he wasn't wrestling, he was managing Mike York, the Alaskan, who was wrestling Woody Farmer. And the doc decided he would just change the finish in, in the middle of the match. So he walks into the ring when uh, Woody Farmer had a rest hold on... Mike York. The doc comes in and takes off his shoe and starts beating Woody Farmer over the head with it. And Farmer is selling it, but Farmer looks a lot more confused than hurt. (laughs) And then Ron Starr and Al Perez hit the ring. This was, you know, Al Perez of, you know, Mid-South fame when he was starting out. Oh. Ron Starr hit the doc on the forehead once, just one punch. Uh Doc whips out a blade Slits himself temple to temple. They rip his shirt off, and he's wearing a thermal undershirt under it. It was very cold. It was winter time, and it was very cold. Uh-huh. When we left that night, Doc didn't clean up any of the blood. Uh-huh. He didn't have an extra shirt, so we drove home 
He was just dressed in his dress pants and his thermal undershirt, which was also caked with blood. To top that off, he said, when you know, after we dropped off the other wrestlers, uh, we were taking him back to his hotel in downtown L.A., and he says, come on, boys, let's go to the pantry, which was the wrestler, the, uh, I mean, the steakhouse that the wrestlers always frequented, owned by uh, Richard Reardon. Uh-huh. He said, I'm treating. So we walk into the pantry with Doc, with all this dry blood all over him, oh, and a thermal undershirt. And we walk in there, it must have been like 3 in the morning, and there's a table of three cops sitting there. And I just, I just freeze. I'm going, oh, shit. <laughs> the cops just kind of look at Doc, and they all start just laughing and shaking their heads like, <laughs> like there's a good story here. <laughs> Did they know him, or did they just... They no, they didn't know him. I think they just saw this big 400-pound man with dry blood on him and a thermal undershirt, and they just started laughing. Plus, he was bleached blonde, too. A 400-pound bleached blonde man wearing a thermal undershirt covered in crimson. And we had breakfast, and... <laughs> you know, I would say only in downtown L.A., but I'm sure there's a lot of other regions where something that wacky could happen, and does happen. I'm pretty sure wherever Dr. Jerry Graham was at any point in his life, something like that happened. Exactly, exactly. Whether he was in Tuba City, Arizona, Paris, Arkansas, or New York City, yeah, he made news. There's a Dr. Jerry Graham story just waiting to come out. Yes, yes. If you know somebody who knew Dr. Jerry Graham, just ask them for a story, and I'm certain they will have four or five. You know what I was going to mention? Um, have you gone to that 57gold.com website? I have not yet. I have it bookmarked, and I don't know why I haven't, because I have been hearing rave things about it. Yeah, they just interviewed on Buddha Khan. No way! Yeah, and I guess he talks about roller games. <laughs> he was a manager in the roller games in 1982, if I remember correctly. Kurt, I think everybody wants to know what's the fascination that you, Dave Meltzer, and all these, all these um, internet insiders have with roller derby. Well... Even though wrestlers hate to hear this and roller derby skaters hate to hear this, uh-huh. there are so many parallels between pro wrestling and roller derby. It's essentially the same psychology. Uh, you know, good versus evil. It's just done on a team, a team level rather than... And with know, roller... roller what is it? Yeah, well, it, it's... Roller blades, a, ro- what is it? What, roller blades? <laughs> not roller blades. In fact... Well, I, I'm certain skates. Roller Jam, the roller most... Skates. What's that? Roller skates. <laughs> yeah, roller skates. That's showing how you and I are from different generations. Yeah, I'm like Roller ba- blades. Yeah. I think roller skates. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't thinking roller skates. I, that's why I was having a hard time. I was like, roller skates or roller blades? Or... Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing, because you and I went to several of the uh, L.A. Thunderbird games yeah. where Danny Wolf was doing the commentating last year, and through the whole roller blade phenomenon... They stuck with roller skates. Yeah. They never went back. But uh, it's such a, like pro wrestling, it is such a fascinating subculture. And I think the way roller derby evolved, I only know a thumbnail, uh, a thumbnail description of how roller derby evolved, but I find it even more fascinating than the way pro wrestling evolved from gambling and the carnivals. Roller Derby started in, I want to say 1935, 
I mentioned it recently, uh, recently on my webpage. I just forget the specific date, but it was in August uh, in the 1930s. That's a good way for you to promote your website. You know, mention it. Standtheembryo.com. Where you learn about rollerblading, roller skating, roller, yes, right. <laughs> roller derby, roller skating, and roller games. Roller derby, roller games. Roller, they call it roller games with the LAT birds because roller derby is uh, trademarked. Uh-huh. But it actually started off as a marathon race between two teams, but the teams were not you know, full-on teams. It, each team consisted of one man and one woman. And, you know, they would skate in circles for it's eons. Pretty much, it's pretty much like NASCAR. Yeah, it was a lot like NASCAR. It was actually a race. And from what I understand, or this is how legend goes, it went over gangbusters initially. At one point started losing its steam, and they decided to, you know, make it more of a team sport. You know, team sport, a larger team uh-huh. with both men and women, and somehow it evolved into essentially from sport to being a work sport, just like wrestling was. And they have the same psychology, uh, you know, of comebacks, near comebacks, and I mean, many different regions where it was promoted. It was huge, and. So where was Dave? Dave was in San Francisco by that time. He was in San Francisco, and that was where they had roller derby as yeah. people like Dave and myself were growing up. Where here in the Southern California area, we had the roller games with the LAT birds. Oh, okay. So and they, they were referred to differently, right? Roller games. They were referred to differently, and they actually were very different just in the way regional wrestling back in the day each region had a very different flavor and feel to it. So did roller derby. Yeah, and the difference in Northern California roller derby and Southern California roller games was very similar to the differences in pro wrestling. Roller derby up in Northern California was still portrayed very much like sport, just with a bit a of a heel style. edge to it. Yeah, It was strong style. <laughs> Strong style. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It and was Southern, strong style. Southern California was Lucha Libre. It was. Southern California, the roller games in Southern California were very, was very much like the roller games. Oh, roller man, I'm, still, I'm, I'm, I'm totally botching my uh Roller jam, right? Kind of more like roller jam? No. Roller games was much more like pro wrestling was here in Southern California. Oh, okay. Because if you watched pro wrestling in the Pacific Northwest in the 1970s, you saw this very raw, hard style, uh, heavy on the blood, guts, and thunder. Now, if you watched wrestling here in L.A., you saw a lot of camp. Uh-huh. You saw gimmicks like the Wrestling Beetle coming out eating uh, raw vegetables on TV. You had Moondog Maine coming out eating goldfish. You had uh, John Tolis drooling in front of the camera you had Freddie Blassie straight-jacketed and chained to uh, the ring post because he was going so insane he wanted to kill John Tolis. <laughs> it was very high camp. Uh-huh. And roller games was the same way. Uh, roller games would have these stipulation matches where when two skaters were you know, just had it up to here with each other, they would challenge one another to a match race. Uh-huh. 
and there would be stipulations where the loser of the match race would have to wear a diaper for the rest of the game. So this is basically Jim Cornette promoted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was Jim very Cornette. much like Jim Cornette. Stuff you would never see in Northern California. Yeah. Uh, what were some other stuff? They had a midget mascot oh, there um, you who eventually turned heel. Um, it was a lot more villains versus good people where Northern California, it was subtle villains versus baby faces. You know? and, and that is why Dave Meltzer always mentions roller derby. He does. Next time, and people, want to, next time people want to piss and moan about him posting a little little blurb about roller of somebody passing away or or like you know some upcoming roller derby game or whatever they're called uh, you'll know, now you know the reason the history that's the reason and i have a message to you people out there who bitch and moan about dave Meltzer posting stuff about a roller skater who recently passed away or there being a resurgence in the roller derby if you keep bitching about it people like me in return, will write Meltzer and insist that he write more about oh, it. Oh. So keep up your bitching and whining, assholes. You're the oh, same oh. bastards who want, want to keep marijuana illegal, aren't you? For, for those who don't know, Kurt, Kurt's the reason Dave started writing about mixed martial arts, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Am I right? Well, I no, no, no. I, I need to tell Dave to pull back on the martial arts. Yeah. Mixed martial arts, Dave, you need to pull back on them. Now, the reason is because mixed martial arts, there's only one reason they exist. If you're trying to get that eternal debate settled, who is the strongest man in the world? Who is the toughest man in the universe? Now, Dr. Jerry Graham... Dr. Jerry Graham, who never, ever told a lie in his life, told me that great Gama of India was the toughest man who ever walked the face of this earth. He was so tough that when he met Stanislaw Sabisco in a shoot, he screamed, Allah, 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 and hit Stanislaw so hard on top of the head that he drove him knee-deep in the mud. That settles it. Stanislaw... Great Gama, toughest man in the world ever. Settled. Sure, you you were there for that match. <laughs> yes, I was. Yes, I was. I was in another lifetime. I was a cat in a past life. Oh, I was go. a cat that was that was a uh, perched up on one of the houses nearby, and I didn't have to pay to get in because I had super keen eyesight, just like Gato Everready. I married a transvestite in Bangladesh. <laughs> we moved to Bangkok and Thailand. I just I just heard you like turn and and and, and apologize <laughs> to your wife. Yes, I did. I apologized to my wife. They, they, it, Elena, I apologize for what I have done in my past life. I don't necessarily regret them, but I apologize for them. Kurt, before we before the show ends, you gotta you gotta tell us your cult movie review. Give us your cult movie review. Oh my lord! Oh Krishna! Oh, you've got to see this movie. Now, everybody out there knows how much I love zombie movies. Now, there's one thing that zombie movies and porn have in common. What if you combine zombie movies and porn? That could be done. That would be fascinating, wouldn't it? Can zombies do that? You know. (laughs) Hmm. 
I think they still can. I mean, I You know I, what? I, we we'll have to debate that sometime and you know, we might start a whole new phenomenon. I mean, these zombie, zombie walks porn. in parades are becoming really popular. Oh, Maybe zombie porn could be the next big Zombie thing. porn. Let's, let's let's buy the domain name and start putting it up. There we go. We're there. We're yeah, there. As soon as we get off the air, Fredo, yeah. you have to register the zombie name. Porn and we'll, we'll create the ad, <laughs> ad page. Oh, Although, oh. imagine all those pics you could post on there. Bitchin'. There you go. Bitchin'. Oh, there you go. Our new business venture. Oh, we're there. We're there. Okay, get back to the movie, Doctor. Okay, Let's... now, there's one thing zombie movies and porn have in common. 98% of them are pure crap. They suck badly. They are horrible. But those 2% are things of pure genius. This last weekend, I saw a zombie movie from Spain called Wreck. R-E-C, as in recording. This is a movie uh, that is shot... It's, best way to describe this, it's part Blair Witch Project. Okay. Part 28 Days Later, and part Night of the Living Dead. Like Blair Witch Project, it's all filmed through a camera, but not through like an amateur video camera. Yeah, what like it is, it's what it's one of these. The uh, I'm sorry. Somebody's holding the camera, like they're trying to act yeah. like they're holding the camera. You yeah. see the whole thing through a cameraman who is filming like a TV documentary on a, a night in. Uh, a night on patrol with the fire department. Oh, okay. Where and the Barcelona? host the host is uh, an actress named Manuela Velasco who is cute as a button. She let she's worth Google watching search. the movie alone. Kurt, let me Google search while you're doing this. <laughs> yes, check it out. Oh, she's she is a doll. And she's great in this role. It's one of these reality T V series where they're just gonna ride along with the fire department um for the night and you know, expecting nothing to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, they're they're called to an apartment where they hear a lady screaming, and they go into the apartment to go help the lady. And before they know it, uh, the camera crew, the fire department, all the inhabitants of the apartment building are locked in. The police and the military have surrounded the building and will not let them out. They are quarantined. I think I've heard of this movie. Well, you know what? It was remade under yeah. the name Quarantine. Oh, okay. Yeah, now, I've, heard, I, I've heard of that movie. Yeah, and I've heard one. reviews of that movie, and I've heard reviews of Wreck. Okay. I have not seen Quarantine. I heard that Wreck is the one to check out. I heard the... Uh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll rent that, get that on Netflix. Is it's that on Netflix? so worth it. It's so worth it. So that's where the Blair Witch feel comes into it. Okay. The 28 Days Later feel comes into it is because somewhere in the building there was an infection and the zombies are very much like the 28 days zombies who are infected with something they don't know what and they're just coming after you it has the night of the living dead feel in it because of the claustrophobia i don't know fredo if you ever saw the original night of the living dead no i've never seen it well it's a it's a classic It's black and white. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Oh, you must see it. It's a classic. And one of the things that one of the things that I think makes a really awesome zombie movies one is the element of surprise. Hey, the dead are coming back to life. What the fuck? Let's get out of here. And then the survival aspect, trying to 
trying to keep them from you know getting into wherever you're hiding, trying to hold them off. Those are the two things I think are so essential in a great zombie flick. I know there's been a lot of really cute and clever zombie movies where you know zombies are part of society or they something that have been around for a while and you know they try to reinvent the wheel. But a good old-fashioned plot, it's a lot like wrestling psychology. A good old-fashioned plot of what the hell made the dead come back to life and how do we keep them away. And uh, this movie does that beautifully. The way they're all locked up in the apartment building and have nowhere to go is reminiscent of Night of the Living Dead where they're all holed up in a house just trying to keep the zombies out of their faces and out of their entrails. It's like a, it's like an apartment building, right? A complex. Yes. Okay. Yes. So they can run around different places. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's different places to hide. Different. Okay. Because you know. okay. I always hate when it's just like one place. <laughs> yeah. Or, or when they're running around the the city, you know, like trying to find a place. Exactly, exactly. And in a lot of these movies, isn't it funny how how suddenly everybody who's fighting the zombies knows kung fu? Yeah. You know, people who uh, are accountants suddenly are like, you know, or they doing roundhouse kicks. Huh? Or they can just fight. I mean, most people can't fight, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's what's great about this movie is everybody in here is just an average Joe with the exception of the fire department and the police. Oh, okay. That's and I don't want to say too much more about it, but this is not just your, you know, blood and gut splatter, eat, eat, eat zombies this is a really, really good movie. This is easily one of the best ten zombie movies I have seen. Kurt, have you watched Watchmen? Um, yes, I saw the movie when it came out. Yeah, you did? What did you think? I I don't know if I was expecting too much from it. There are parts I liked. You read the book, right? No, I didn't. Oh, I, I have the it. book. I didn't read it either. Um, <laughs> I don't yeah, plan on I... reading it either, so... A friend of me went when I was uh, laid up with my uh, with my lymphoma. Uh, my uh, good friend Philip, friend since high school, sent me the book for something to read. Oh. Um, actually, he sent me a lot of cool stuff to keep me occupied while I was incarcerated in my house, um, trying Thank to stave Watchmen? off l- wow. lymphoma and zombies. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. But I never got around to reading The Watchmen. Yeah. But I did uh, see the movie with my bro-in-law. Uh-huh. When it came out, there were parts I liked, but it didn't grab me as a whole. <laughs> my, my Judy watched it. Judy, my mm-hmm. sister, she watched it, and this was her review. It was boring, and I and I, I tell her, so did you watch the whole thing? No, I fell asleep. That's why I, <laughs> I didn't like it. So my whole point was like, how can you say you don't like it if you didn't finish watching the whole movie? That's a good point. Because I, I mean, I saw I saw that it was two hours forty three minutes long. And I knew she didn't make it past the about the hour and a half. Because <laughs> I, I think it's a lot. Like I think that there's too much of it. You know, I think they wanted to give you a lot of um, background behind each character and everything. Yeah. I think they wanted to please all the comic book readers. That know? was my impression too. Because as I was watching it, the thing that kept running through my head is, I wonder if I should have read the graphic novel first. I wonder if I'd appreciate it more. I heard there was a big debate within the community of people who uh, loved the graphic novel. I guess they were really torn. Some of them absolutely loved the film, and others just thought it was sacrilege. And since I never read the book, I, I have no take on it. But I, I thought it was better than some of those other comic book movies that they've been releasing. 
They do some pretty bad ones. Yeah, like uh, the Hulk really sucked. Yeah, I mean, even the second one kind of <laughs> Yeah, I never saw the first one with Ang Lee, which I heard was terrible. The first one is, like, really bad. Yeah, I heard that's, that's unwatchable. And of the all people, one, Ang Lee, who's a great director. The second one with Ed Norton and then Tim Roth is, I think, because I like Tim Roth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ed Norton is pretty good. I've always too, liked so. Ed Norton, too, so. Yeah, so, I mean, even though Ed Norton, I always hear he's, like, a big jerk and everything. But I yeah, mean, he's a good actor, though, I think. Yeah. And then, like, the X-Men, I mean, you know, what what more do you want? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yes, exactly. Kids, I mean, you know, well, it's thing, that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of us forget that you're for kids, but, I mean, I think they forget that we're, everybody who grew up watching that is now, like, in their 30s, 20, late it's 20s. It's true. It's true. 30s, it, it, 40s. it feels so recent. You know, the only graphic novel I ever read with a passion was uh, the Hernandez brothers, uh, Jamie and Gilbert Hernandez, uh-huh. who did Love and Rockets. Uh-huh. And I'll be the first to admit, the first thing that drew me to those comics is they uh, had a lot of uh, backstories or you know subplots involving Lucha Libre. And it was really cool, because when you read them, you could really tell these guys at one point had a passion for wrestling. For wrestling. In, in fact, Gilbert Hernandez did a hysterical um, a comic about the time he and... Um, he and his wife Carol, when they were dating, went to a WWF match in the mid-80s. And they went up to take pictures of Adrian Adonis. And Adonis was, I guess, just blasted out of his mind that night. Okay. In, in fact, that night is legendary for anybody who was there at the L.A. Sports Arena. Uh, I guess Adonis was like beating the shit out of, the, of a phone booth in the L.A. Sports Arena and was just like getting in people's faces and trying to set them off. And this was Adrian Adonis uh, during the biker era, wasn't it? The biker era. This yeah. was maybe about a year before the, the, he did Adorable the, Adrian Adonis. It was when he was really getting out of hand, but apparently uh, Gilbert's wife went up to take his picture and he started cussing them out. And I, I remember talking to Gilbert's wife about that once, and she said she just felt so bad for him because they were dating at the time. And here's this guy just like, you know, just cussing at you and your girlfriend, and you can't do anything about it. It's Adrian Adonis. And yeah, you can't talk back. <laughs> exactly, and he's drunk and coked out of his mind. He's the crap out of you. Yeah, and he wrestled. I remember he wrestled Billy Anderson that night. Wow. And I talked to Billy Anderson about it, and Anderson said he was really reluctant to work with Adonis, but uh, Strongbow, who was the road agent then, you know, did everything short of walking Adonis to the ring and promised Anderson, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, you're not going to get hurt. He said the most amazing part was Adonis was light as a feather in the ring that night, which was amazing because I know Adonis was rough on uh, a lot of jobbers, including Anderson, but apparently that night, you know, he was... You know, he was, you know, light with Anderson, but <laughs> was in everybody else's uh, face. But, oh, my God. Um, but anyway, that that's uh, that was... That's a good one. That was a good one. That was a great Love and Rockets comic, you know, talking about the night they had the run-in with Adrian Adonis. And actually, anybody who's into wrestling and, you know, digs the whole graphic novel thing, Hernandez Brothers, not just the wrestling stories... Their whole graphic novels are just kick-ass, are great, great stuff. We're going to have to do a show where we talk about, like, books. 
<laughs> you know, we should, because last week we were talking about maybe Who, doing some shows on the Santo movies. Maybe we could kind of, you know, well, we do that gonna, we segue. Gonna do, we were going to do one on books, I think, like a couple of weeks ago. I think, and I think you brought up, the, the week you did, you brought up Mildred Burke, I think. Yes. The book, and then we said, hey, maybe we should do it, but then we started talking about all this other stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> as we want to do, yeah. as we do in many episodes. As, as we always go past the one hour mark, too. <laughs> exactly, as we're doing as we speak. Yeah. But, you know, we will, that we will have to do. We will have to, you know, cover, you know, cover books, uh, the graphic novels, um, wrestling the porn, cinema. The porn, the porn book I'm reading that you let me borrow earlier, a couple of months ago. Oh, yes, yes, The Other Hollywood, which is yeah. a great book. I, I couldn't get past the first chapter because I was a little grossed out by Linda Lovelace. <laughs> then, <laughs> and then afterwards, I, start, I started reading it yesterday. I started rereading it. I started going over it again. Oh, I was, like, I was getting I'm into glad it. you gave it another shot because it's a really well-written book, all written uh, in the first-person narrative through various people in the adult entertainment industry from the early yeah, I, 70s. To uh, present day, I just think that one, the first part where you find out how Linda Lovelace, the first thing she ever did, just like okay, most yeah, that's a pretty tough one. Isn't isn't it like there's certain phases to getting into porn, and that's like the I think that's like the last choice, isn't it? (laughs) That's the last (laughs) final step. Yeah, well, there's there's it is bestiality. It sounds to me like a very diverse industry. There's so many different ways people have entered it and exited it. Um, but yeah, it was done by Legs McNeil, and I can't remember the name of the woman he wrote it with. Uh-huh. But they, oh man, that it, all done through uh, first-person narratives for, through various people involved in the industry, and very well, you know, very well organized, very good narrative on the industry. Yeah, any of you, are. any of you interested in reading about a whole different subculture? That's a good place to go. The other oh. Hollywood. We'll do the book one once I read the Jim Cornette book. Yeah. In fact, it. I have Cornette's site up here, so as soon as yeah, we sign off of, here, that's where I'm going, and I'm ordering which, that book. Whichever one of us reads it first, we'll review it. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. It. <laughs> and I know Dan Farron has it, so we will have to get Dan on the line one of these weeks. Maybe we could all discuss it together. That would be a really... Uh, a really fun book to discuss. We, we could have five extra. We could have four extra callers call in at the same time and have like a, like a <laughs> round table, a reading round table, where we can all talk over one another. Yeah, that would be great. We can all talk over one another. And my goal now I, is not to become like Jim Cornette, but to become as good a delivery person as far as the verb, you know, the verbiage goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> As now I'm sitting here stumbling over my words again, stumbling, stammering. That's what I want to cure myself of. That's my goal every week is to get a little more eloquent See, that's with each pod- passing week. The podcast isn't just uh, an entertainment tool. It's also an instructional tool. Exactly, you know? exactly. It's an okay. instructional vehicle. Yep, it, we're, we're going to get rid of your stumbling really soon with this. That's podcast. right, that's right. And my wife, Elena, who is a speech therapist, We'll be very proud. It's, it's probably going to hear this podcast, and, 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 and she's going to take notes on what she did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll probably, she'll probably point out all those things I didn't even realize I was doing, and I'll feel further humiliated. And 
I'll, I'll stammer further on future podcasts. <laughs> there you well, well, I, I guess I guess this is sign off time. Uh huh. Go ahead. So, Kurt. plug your site. Uh, my website's again luchaworld.com and DVDs for all the latest DVDs flambamjam.com. Kurt. StandTheEmbryo.com. All sorts of good stuff, historical timelines, uh, commentaries, you know, rants, um, just a lot of shallow literature that I hope you will all embrace. www.standtheembryo.com. This is Vandal Drummond and Alfredo Esparza. Until next Thursday night. Until next Thursday night. <laughs> you don't have anything to say now? <laughs> I I have absolutely nothing intelligent to say. Actually, I never have anything intelligent to say. We need the big sign-off, or should I play some music to sign us out? I'll do the sign-off. Remember, okay. remember, if you're ever walking through Southern California and you see a white light streaking across the sky, it's not a shooting star. No, no, it's not a shooting star. It's a heavenly handful of Moncel powder. Have a great week, my babies. See you soon.